Hello, and welcome back to the Creation Theatre podcast. I say back because we've had a bit of a hiatus uh, since the end of Dracula. I thought um, it wasn't that interesting to listen to us sorting out GDPR and maternity cover. So the shows are back. Um, And uh, today I've cornered Jonathan Holloway, writer and director of uh, Brave New World this summer. Um, And I'm just going to pick his brains about what's coming up. So... You will know Jonathan's work if you've seen creation shows in recent years, um, 1984 in the Mathematics Institute last year, written and directed by Jonathan, um, and then a couple of years before that, the Macbeth that we did at Lady Margaret Hall, so different, <laughs> totally different styles, and feel like, well, to us it sort of feels like this one's carrying on the legacy of the 1984, of that kind of dystopia and technology and, and all that stuff. But yeah, rehearsals have started this week. Um, and they've been locked in a room <laughs> trying to put together a show. How's it going? Here in Bicester. Yes, um, lovely. You no, know, it's, go- uh, it's going very well. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely company. They're very committed. They're very able. Uh, they're very as- astute. Um, 1984 is a, a kind of such a completely different kettle of fish to this <laughs> uh, in terms of... Uh, well, you know, the dark drama of 1984, whereas this um, this could be a very light show. Obviously, in my hands, it won't be. Uh, but not. I mean, yeah. it won't be light all the time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the story is very peculiar when you unpick it. Everybody knows the name. Everybody knows, oh, that brave new world. Um, not everybody knows that it's a quote from... Shakespeare Um, but also uh, because we're doing this in the Westgate shopping centre and the story is actually about consumerism taken to its extreme uh, there's kind of inherent irony in the fact that we're doing it where we're doing it which is not lost on us (laughs) Uh, and also the fact that we're doing it on the doorstep of Bicester village uh, as well Um, so we're we're 150 years in in the future and if you like the morality of today uh, has become reversed so that instead of people um, sort of uh, instead of um, sexuality having a lot of currency and being something very precious it's kind of wallpaper to people's existences there is constant no strings relationships that they drift from from one to the next um, there's a lot of intimacy that has uh, no implications for people because they, they don't have children anymore children are conceived in a kind of quasi-IVFE kind of um, laboratory situation and grown in vats uh, what they call flasks um, and also they're grown in such a way that they fit partic- particular genetic profiles. So if you like, a, a caste system, a social caste system, um, ha- is repeated in the um, biological st- traits that people have. Um, it all sounds a bit kind of academic and a bit <laughs> theoretical. Actually, uh, the story is... Uh, peculiarly farcical, really. Yeah, there are so many of those moments where just having seen the, the sort of listen to the read-through on Monday, which is obviously, you know, no costume, no kind of prep, really, just what, what the actors pull out of the script, that there are so many of those moments where it's so tense and you don't know what to do, and then you get 
the tiniest joke and everyone laughs because <laughs> you, laughter is the kind of release yeah. from the, not yeah. oppression, but there's so much going on and laughing is such a simple reaction that mm. you can be like, oh yeah, someone just made a fool of themselves. Or, and yeah. also none of them are particularly likeable. It's none of the characters are set up as this kind of, they're the good guy in the kind of corrupt world. It's like, everyone's a bit of a buffoon and, and yeah. liable to change, and there's nobody who's the hero of the piece, really, right. who you can sort of... That's right. There's, there's, there, there isn't really a tragic hero. Uh, there is tragedy, but it's not tra- the tragedy is not presented as though it's tragedy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, basically... A lot of the things that we're getting used to in the modern world have been kind of developed to their nth mm. degree here. So, you know, obsession with youth or appearing youthful as you get older um, is here referred to in terms of, you know, blood transfusions and hormone treatments and so on and so forth. And um, it, within the world of Brave New World, um, you can, if you want to get extra benefits, you can sign up for an exit date at, this, at the age of so 37. So when you get to 37, you, that's it, you're done. Um, also, the process of dying has very little dignity in uh, Brave New World. And in fact, uh, groups of uh, school pupils uh, visit the what are called exit hospitals mm. in order to watch people die. Um, and in some ways you might think, oh, that sounds very healthy. Because, yeah. you know, that sounds like it's ha- it isn't the great taboo that it is now. Mm. And it isn't as invisible as it is now, because, yeah. of course, death is invisible now here. Um, but it's not really, uh, you know, Aldous Huxley does not intend it to be taken in that way. No. It, there is no respect for age. And uh, I think that nothing is taken seriously. That's... That's really why they can't engage with death. There's nothing they, profound. No, there's nobody think nobody thinks about anything because why would you? Well, so profundity a... doesn't sell stuff. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't sell stuff to people, then within the world of uh, Brave New World, um, it's it's irrever- it's irrelevant. Yeah. If you can't make any money out of it, like sport, for example, in Huxley's vision of the future, can't happen unless there's a load of equipment you have to buy. Uh, you know, and I, we were talking about it in the first couple of days of rehearsals. And of course, the London Marathon has just recently happened. And uh, amazing now that not only do you have to have the right very expensive shoes mm-hmm. and the right kit that you know deflects sweat in the right way, <laughs> yeah. but you also have uh, these kind of um, arm belts, utility belts, oh, yeah, full of different gels that you them. have to kind of, uh, you know, you have to squeeze into your mouth at certain points. And I was amazed to see the road kind of completely covered in these empty sachets, these spent sachets of of stuff that gives people energy. Uh, uh, And, you know, the whole thing treated very scientifically. Mm. So, uh, you know, in Huxley's world, people don't play... um, uh, don't play badminton, they play elevator badminton because <laughs> that's more expensive to do and more difficult, you know, and to organise. But but things like virtual reality, what we now refer to mm. as VR, that's present there. Also no string sex uh, and no consequences sex. Mm. Um, also, um, and there's been a lot of controversy in very recent times about... Um, 
sexualizing of children. Mm. Um, the fact that in Huxley's world, uh, children are brought up from a very early age to understand that it is antisocial not to participate in the kind of sexual jamboree mm. which is the which is the times they live in. Um, and it, and I think in a funny kind of way, the whole thing is made more poignant and given more edge by the Me Too movement and all of that. Um, because here, uh, in Huxley's world, it's kind of actually very difficult to work out where that fits. Because everybody is exploiting everybody else. As they put it, everybody belongs yeah. to everybody else. Um, I mean, certainly manufacturers and vendors are, within Huxley's world, exploiting the public. But the public is busily engaged in exploiting itself and others. Um, so it, it's a world where commerce, you know, Henry Ford, is, yeah. has taken the place of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's a place where, um, if there's not a profit margin, it can't be any good. And it's interesting thinking about it against 1984 because if you don't if you don't have an ideology, then you can't disagree with the ideology. So it's so it feels more sort of possible in today's world where mm. everything just becomes so convenient. And if you don't like it, just take the drugs and you'll feel happy about it. Mm. And you know, so it's not. Whereas in 1984, you've got you've got kind of the you've got the antiheroes and you've got the kind of the Goldstein and all that kind of world where you can mm. resist because there's something to resist against, which yeah. is which is a dictatorship. But if you're just all consuming all the time, then well, nobody nobody disagrees with having nice things, do they? Like how how can that yeah. be? And that's why when John appears, he fe- he just feels a bit like what what's your point? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, he isn't yeah. able to sort of rally a cause because there's nothing to fight. It's too easy. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, uh, and also um, there are there are virtually no cultural activities in this future. Mm. And if you like, shopping has become, in and of itself, uh, a social activity. You know, it's a project. Yeah. It's a, it's a hobby. It's an occupation. It's an activity. Um, and uh, uh, that I think. Two, uh, if you like, shines uh, a curious light on where we are now. Because, of course, there are people at home who watch the shopping channels, and they just sit and watch the shopping channels. And they might buy stuff now and then, but actually it's just watching people advertising things and watching the countdown on the... The numbers Watching at the side of the screen who are yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, actually, the process of commerce has become, uh, you know, the subject of entertainment. Um, and I really don't think we're a million miles away from there. I think it's good that you mentioned the drugs thing because, of course, here we have a, a legitimate government-sponsored uh, program of uh, daily drug taking on everybody's parts, and it's called SOMA. Um, mm. within the context of, of, of Brave New World and people mm. have it to increase their enjoyment of you know, physical sexual activity but also it calms their nerves it mm. also it helps to bind people together in a socially cohesive group and you know, it's very interesting isn't it because you know, um, some, some, I was listening to something where, where somebody said you know, if we didn't, if sugar hadn't always been here, if it had just been invented, 
people would think of it as, you know, it would probably be illegal. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you think of sugar, but you also think of alcohol and you, uh, you know, I mean, and there's a lot. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of, uh, there's a general social opprobrium mm. about tobacco, but you could, uh, you know, uh, in a sense, I confess, I find vaping um, more, uh, it's more of an imposition on me than, than smoking was. Because you, you people produce these vast clouds of, smoke. of kind of flavoured smoke, uh, which I then end up breathing in. So, uh, and there's um, there's that thing, some statistic that somebody mentioned that um, we're all taking Prozac now because it's it's uh, there is such a, a concentration of it in the water table um, because so many people take it and then it, it, you know it evacuates into the um, sewage system and then is recycled yeah, into it, it means that it means that we're all dosed on Prozac it, uh, which is you know others would say okay well that means we're not going to be fighting each other well uh, yeah, yeah I can understand that but it's a bit like um, I, I suppose there's a wonky morality that you're prompted into examining by Brave New World, which is a bit like there was an episode of Star Trek where they all came down to one of these planets uh, and uh, everybody was smiling all the time and everybody was happy. Mm -hmm. And uh, Captain Kirk got quite exercised by the fact that they weren't free, meaning free to be sad. To be cross, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it, that you're not fully human if you don't experience the full range of emotions. I think that's interesting as well, because, there, um, you know, it's a funny thing. that Depression, for example, is very, very widespread. Lots of people have problems with depression. Uh, it is probably the case, I suppose, that more people have some kind of what we might refer to as psychiatric pathology than don't. Mm. Uh, and that may be a matter of class. It may be, you know, uh, socioeconomic position. It may be genes. It may be chemicals in the brain. It can, all kinds of different things. Um, but that notion that there is a correct way of being, there is a, a healthy human being. Uh, well, Brave New World is full of healthy human beings, who live in a tedious, strangely asexual world, despite the fact they're all busy rutting like rabbits <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So why do? You, it's an interesting question of why does why do we like dystopia? Because it because it surely the kind of you know the sort of standard rhetoric is it's you know it's a warning and you can't understand the future without understanding the past and that kind of idea of if we if we consume enough of this type of of literature of the Handmaid's Tale and of kind of this kind of culture that, that it seems so big at the moment, then we can kind of ward it, warn ourselves off. Or is it just that we like feeling smug because we can see it? Do we feel, do we feel like, well, yes, that's obviously... Did, did anyone ever read this book and then, and then or see this play and then change the world? I don't know. I doubt it. I, I doubt it. And I think um, different people with different political perspectives can come to a work like Brave New World and they can take from it justification for their own position. Some people might turn around and say, Jonathan Holloway, you're a fool. Of course, 
um, there's no point in things if you can't make a profit out of them. Mm. Uh, if we can't make a profit out of them, then you know society will crumble. Um, uh, other people will say, yes, but we're eating fish that are full of plastic because of you. You know, um, so I, I, I mean, I, I think people come to something like Brave New World and take what they want from it. But I think that notion of it's a warning as mm. well. Uh, there, there was a series on the television a few years back um, called, I think, The Nazis, A Warning from History. And, uh, I, yeah, it would be nice to feel that the likes of 1984 and of... Um, Brave New World and other similar novels you mentioned, uh, Margaret Atwood, The Handmaid's Tale. It would be nice to feel that people are busy learning lessons about what should and shouldn't happen in, in, in mm. the world in the future. Uh, it seems to me that one of the contrary gifts that human beings have been given is also their inability to learn from the past and take that into the future. And that's a very, you know, that's a very sad and very poignant thing. But it's almost like every generation is uh, damned to make the mistakes of the previous generations. It's partly, well, it's the effect, the sort of physical, parallel to the physical effect that you can't remember the sensation of pain. You can remember that was painful, but yeah. you can't conjure yeah. the feeling of pain like you can conjure the feeling of, of sitting in the sun. I know what that feels like. I don't know what stubbing my toe feels like yeah. until the moment. And then I think that's what it felt like. And I think yeah. that you can't, you can't sort of cult embody the previous generation's culture. And so maybe that's why people like this sort of dystopia kind of um, I think, being affected. I think, um, I think one of the, if you like, dystopian <laughs> visions that's contained in this, which um, is quite uh, tricky for people to deal with, is uh, I think that now, for the first time in history, we have, you know, 14,000-plus people in this country over the age of 100. And uh, the idea that people are just not going to die at the rates they used to and what do we do with them? And what do they do with themselves? Um, I find, well, as I get older, I find that more and more pertinent. Um, and I get quite uh, exasperated by the fact that it seems to me that ageism is practically the only prejudice which is acceptable. Certainly, as somebody who spent his life in the arts, I get very annoyed, I get very exercised by the fact that you know, training schemes and bursaries for emerging writers, emerging artists, and so on and so forth, those always seem to be for people between you know, 25 and 35 mm. or whatever it might be. They never seem to be open, those schemes, to people who have actually had a long career during which they've you know, paid plenty of tax, mm. and they want to become somebody else at the age of 57 or 63. Yeah. And we totally accept that you, that you can kind of, you know, have three careers and retrain and go mm. on and do something else. I was listening to something recently, there's, there's a sort of movement in the kind of, it's not related to us, but in the true crime world, um, to try and mobilise, sort of like citizen journalists, citizen investigators, because mm. you've got the whole of the baby boom generation who are interested, a proportion of them, they're online, they're interested yeah. in this, they've got a career's worth of experience of kind of project yeah. work and analytical things, and it's trying to sort of 
to sort of say, yeah, if you're going to, if we're all going to, you know, retire at 55 mm. or 65 or then, and then you live to 100 plus, what are you going to do with, what is the, what is society going to do with that resource of, of yeah. that population? Uh, yeah, uh, because they're inconvenient, mm. <laughs> actually. But you see around you, I think, some interesting things because the Westgate Centre has a Curzon Cinema. Mm. I'm not here to particularly advertise that company, but we have one, uh, my wife and I, uh, near where we live in Wimbledon, South London. And um, it seems to be entirely aimed at us. The, uh, mm. you know, the actual repertoire of movies that it shows, mm. the fact that you can buy a glass of wine and take it in, in a glass yeah. to sit and watch. You, know, you can buy um, uh, actually some quite nice food. Mm. There's even one of them in town, I think, which is sort of like a restaurant. I think you can sit there and you, you, you have a little low table in front of you and you watch the movie and you can dine, you know. Um, there, and also uh, up at the Edinburgh Festival uh, now, mm. there's a large uh, tribe of several thousand silver pound people. Mm. And somebody was explaining to me that, you know, there's a lot of people now where the pattern is, the early summer, they maybe go to an age-friendly pop festival, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, then they maybe go and have their proper holiday, their couple of weeks in Tuscany mm-hmm. or Sicily or Corsica. And then they come back and then they go to the Edinburgh Fringe for a week, stay in an Airbnb mm-hmm. uh, and use Ubers. And those people are... You know, they're sentient, they're, they're aware, they're, they're, they're engaged, they're quite well informed, and they have money to spend. And you ignore them at their peril. And I'm taking a show up to Edinburgh. And it was quite interesting talking to the marketing people, because they were much younger than me. Uh, most people are. Uh, and, no, actually, that's not true anymore, is it? But anyway, um, uh, most people aren't younger than me. Um, but anyway, the, the the curious thing was we were saying this is this is an audience that we really want to reach, uh, and they didn't seem to have any tools with which to do that. They just spouted the same stuff about you know you need a press rep and you need mm. you did to make sure you're in all these online magazines and so on and so forth. I said, well, we don't want reviews. We're not interested in reviews, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, we just want previews. We just want people to know we're there, and then our audience will find us. And that was like an alien thing, you know. Anyway, back to Brave New World. Well, no, I was going to I was going to ask about Edinburgh. That was going to be ah. one of my next questions, which is that. So uh, the creation team took a trip to see Dragon oh. Show, so we have seen it. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. Um, but it's, well, it's but a it's lot a, better than it was. <laughs> it was no, it was we. Well, it was yeah. It totally different to what creation does because it's two guys and it's got kind of live music and and really talented musicians the two of you in it but it's a it's an interesting proposition to take to edinburgh i think as a well as a kind um, of, yeah it's self-aware and it's fun and people will come out of it having enjoyed it which <laughs> sounds like an awful thing to say about fringe theater but you know you're, you're there to entertain and, and yeah kind that's of, the only mission yeah. I mean, I've, I've done shows at 22 Edinburgh festivals and it's all, the work that I've done has always been about what happens next. It's always been, you know, we do this show, we use this kind of style that opens us a door for us to do more of that kind of work. We do this show, it has this kind of style, 
that opens us a, a door for us to be funded, publicly funded, to do more of this kind of work. We do this show, it's about such and such, that contributes to the general debate around that issue. Um, th- this, this particular show, which is very, very loosely based around a 1970s t- TV series called The Rockford File, um, this show isn't for there for no other reason than people should have fun watching it and we should have fun doing it. <laughs> um, so the reasons are, in, if you like, both altruistic and utterly selfish at the same time. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a riot. <laughs> so how, long are you, how long are you doing? Well, we're doing a full month. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and literally the, the open 1984 on the next day I'm in rehearsals, yeah. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Blimey, okay, well, probably we've I've stolen enough of your lunch break. You should probably get back and spend the afternoon finishing the show. <laughs> well, yeah, or get started. Well, well, yeah, probably, <laughs> you know, write some stuff down. Um, yeah. Brilliant, well, thank you for taking the time. Um, I may come in and bother someone else or catch up yeah. further on in the process. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the Creation Theatre podcast. You can find more episodes and all the latest creation news at creationtheatre.co.uk.